The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. Hello, friends. This is Richard Mendelow, host of Courageous Christianity. We're excited to bring you a special series of shows over the next couple of weeks that track with my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity, a devotional that will encourage you and draw you closer to Jesus. These shows originally aired during 2020 as separate half-hour shows And now we're bringing them to you again in our new one-hour format. Please make note that some of the previous book offer details don't apply right now, but there's even something better. Right now, by going to kkht.com and clicking on the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image and registering your information, you will get a complimentary copy of my book so that you can study through the devotional along with the shows. Remember that these shows aired in 2020, so some of the days and dates aren't current, but you'll get the gist of it. If you have any questions, email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com, and my trusty wingman, Christy Stratton, will help you out. So stay with us today, and then make sure to join us during the next few weeks as we continue to guide you through my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. And thanks for listening. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us. Today we're going to wrap up the last five days of devotions from my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. As always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my exceptional wingman. We're on the E's now. Exceptional. Exceptional. We went from F's to E's. I forget what last week was, but it was an E also. It was. Encouraging, I think. Look at that. You're so kind. Thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome. Friends, uh, we're going to have... uh, very serious question to talk about today as we prepare for the last four days and for going forth and doing good work. Before we get started, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray. Heavenly Father, As we near the end of our devotional series in all things, may we see you as you are, know you as you are, and serve you as we are, courageous men and women striving in our frailty to lift ourselves and each other toward heaven in Jesus' mighty name. In this effort, Lord, we come before you as warriors seeking to throw off the world and to clothe ourselves in your full armor. 
Help us, Father, to step forward in faith, love, and awareness. Help us to see things as they are, to be emboldened, and to be effective in our awesome opportunity to stand for you. May all who hear these words be enlightened, encouraged, and engaged in this battle, knowing that your love prevails. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, we have been on quite a journey together. Yes, we have. Uh, last week, I think, took us to day 35. So today is uh, day 36 through 40 uh, in the upcoming week. In the first week, we focused on choosing Jesus in all things. Then we discussed change. In week three, we reflected on the preparation of our hearts for our missions as Christians. In week four, with days 22 through 28, we talked about our actions as courageous Christians. And last week, in days 29 through 35, we attacked dangerous ground. As I said, today, days 36 to 40, will prepare us to go forward. And as part of that, we're going to ask a very serious question. Day 36 addresses our rules of engagement as Christian warriors. Day 37 talks about the power of forgiveness. Day 38 speaks to standing our ground. Day 39 considers the many faces of Jesus' amazing love. And day 40 wraps it up with overarching guidance. But today I want to begin our discussion by posing this very serious question, and it really comes from something I've learned from Christy over the last few months. Because in many different uh, situations, she has cautioned me, and I've heard her caution others, to consider their motivations, to ask, what are my motivations? And as you know, she's a coach, and I wanted to ask more about this because I think it's very crucial to what we're doing. So. Christy, how does that work? Consider your motivations. So it's interesting when you said that you yourself have, um, asking that about yourself and others, I ask that about myself too. So it's in looking at the motivations of what is driving our actions or our choices, I work with people to get clear on what is actually motivating them. And that may be seen or unseen motivations. And so the, the, if we can get, dig down and get to the root of really what is causing someone to make a choice or take an action, then we can, we can get to someplace real. So an unseen force mm -hmm. that you may have processed that's compelling or shaping your feelings, actions, commitments, etc. Yeah. So, I mean, there might be, I'm thirsty. I'm going to get a drink of water. And that, that may be the simple act and you see the motivation there, but there are some things that we do that we may think there's a motivation. Um, maybe we work and we think that money, that, that motivation is money, but there might be something unseen that really is, maybe it's fulfillment. Maybe it's making a difference in the world. That's really the clearest motivation, which then ultimately, when we know that, shapes better choices and action. You know, what comes to mind is the story of a kid who goes into a Marine recruiter's office and he says, I want to join the Marines. And the recruiter says, why? And he says, I want to serve my country. Mm 
mm-hmm. and the recruiter says, come back when you've thought this through. Mm. And he comes back a couple of days later and he says, I want to join the Marines. And the recruiter says, why? And he says, uh, because I want to do good around the world. Mm-hmm. And the recruiter says, come back when you've thought this through. Oh, wow. And he comes back a couple of days later and he says, I want to join the Marines. And the recruiter says, why? And he says, I want to belong to something bigger than myself. I'm an only child. I've never had brothers. I want to be in a family. I want to have structure. I want to know that I'm doing good things. I don't want to be alone. Mm. And the recruiter says, okay, well, now we have something to work with. Right. See it in that scenario is incredibly important because to find the warrior within himself, that kid who walks into the recruiter's office and will one day be a Marine, he has to truly understand those hidden motivations, those unseen motivations, those unseen motivations, because when push comes to shove in the dark of night in combat on this battlefield, these big nebulous notions of patriotism and I want to serve my country. Right. Like what everybody else says. Right. They're not compelling. What's compelling is the fact that this guy next to me is my brother and I want to fight with him and for him and take care of him and do our mission and hold up the traditions of the Marine Corps and and so on and so forth. So I I totally get that. And what I understand is implicit in this discussion is the idea that as Christians, we have to dig into that idea of what are my motivations. So I want to go back to the the young man in the recruiting situation, what I heard in there is that when he, when he was really clear on what his motivations are, that's going to actually shape his commitment level to his actions and what he's doing. So I hear that clarity leads to commitment. Makes a ton of sense. We were talking earlier about uh, the many different levels on which we can connect to things. And if we connect on one level, it's not a significant a connection as if we connect on many levels. So for that kid, if he just thought, uh, I want to serve my country, well, he's connected on one level. But when he understands that it's family that he's seeking and brotherhood that he's seeking. There's so much more. It's deep. Now you start to connect on these very serious levels and kind of like it's a more robust uh, connection and uh, builds a much more robust commitment. And so, again, implicit in this discussion is the idea that each of us in our faith must ask the question, what are my motivations? Right. And what comes to me is that Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, describe the times ahead which are going to be very serious. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, and on and on and on it goes. The battlefield on which we walk as Christians is a serious place. The very second we accept Christ We have a target on our backs for the world. And so I think in understanding our faith, our commitment to our faith, and what we expect from our faith, we have to explore this very deeply. 
And uh, it sounds very treacherous that with this battleground that we're walking on. And yeah. Without that clarity and that commitment to what we're doing, wow, we can just get lost in that. Well, absolutely. And um, here's the piece of this that I think is so critical. So, the book of John, chapter 1, Jesus has made his appearance. John the Baptist has uh, met him, baptized him. John the Baptist has two disciples, which we believe to be Andrew and John. And Jesus goes by, and John the Baptist points these two disciples after Jesus and says, follow him. And this will be our moment of truth today because it's really a moment of truth. The moment of truth in which we talk every episode about Scripture and the Bible and how it applies to our current discussion and God's uh, perfection in His Word and timeliness and relevance and how we can remind ourselves what is real and true in this world of shadows and deceptions. And so the moment of truth... And the context of all of this is John chapter 1, verse 37. And I think this is the question for each of us as Christians to seriously connect with. Jesus says, When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? I don't know. I'm absolutely fascinated by this. Because whether I'm a Marine in a recruiter's office, knowing that my commitment only comes after I fully consider what I'm doing, I believe each of us has to ask, what do we want? And Jesus didn't mince words and he didn't play. He asked this right up front. Now, it's not in the book of uh, Matthew. It's not in Mark. It's not in Luke. It's only in John. He says to those two uh, disciples, what do you want? Now, he's not asking it in a worldly way, like, hey, leave me alone. What do you want? Right. He's asking it in the way that all of us who seek to follow him must ask, what do you want? How does that resonate with you? It's a big question, because my first thought is probably a, a quick, maybe worldly answer, but it actually it puts me on my back foot. I'm kind of like, Wow. Jesus is asking me, what do I want? Right. And so if we ask ourselves this question, I don't want to be the guy in the recruiter's office saying, I want to serve my country. What do you want? Uh, I, want to, I want to follow God. Well, why do you want to follow God? I want to know him. Why do you want to know him? Because I want to know the truth, or any number of things each of us brings individually. Maybe we want to belong to something bigger than ourselves. Maybe we want to live in the truth. Maybe we want uh, joy or peace or the afterlife or a better world for our children or to be faithful to something that doesn't change, to be in a relationship on which we can count. Uh, maybe we've been abandoned. For me... I think one of the big things that comes out, and you've heard me say this before, because I had such a close relationship with my father, I come to God seeking a heavenly father. And it plays on me very deeply that he is my father in heaven. And because I had a great father, I'm able to connect 
in that way. But for each of us, it's going to be very different, and there's no wrong answer. But in asking and answering this question, we are going to find what we want. And it's in finding what we want and how we connect that we will be served by our faith. You get out what you put in. So let me say that again. From anything, you get out what you put in. In any relationship, you get out what you put in. Right. Right? And so uh, a scripture that I love, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For he who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be open. So basically in two sentences, it, six times we're told to seek. You get out what you put in. If the extent of our faith is to attend church for an hour on Sunday, then that's going to be a different experience than... That's what you'll get out. That's what you'll get out. It's a different experience than seeking after him and allowing him to help you answer that question, what do I want? And so I can just envision this conversation with Jesus because this question is central to truly following him like that potential uh, Marine Corps recruit, it's, it's also crucial to finding the warrior in us. What are our motivations? What are those unseen forces uh, which, when identified, help us to commit fully? So asking why repeatedly in a conversation with Jesus where you imagine yourself talking to him, what do you think about that? So I'm thinking... I've. I think I've heard you say this. I think I've heard some other people say this. When you really want to know what the heart of the matter of something is, uh, you ask something six times. Yeah. And so that repetitive, but we would often just kind of brush that off and say, oh, whatever the first answer is. But if I'm hearing you right and I think I'm getting it, because this is a big question. I'm it's grappling with deal. it myself is if I keep asking myself that, and it's it seems like it's a long-term question that you keep asking yourself that, you're going to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper and really get to a intimate level of knowing of that relationship with Jesus Christ. And until that, you're not clear. Like we go back to the coaching comment, you're not clear and your commitment's really not clear. You get out what you put in. So asking the question really reveals your commitment level reveals and develops because develops, when you probably a better word. Yeah. Like that kid who thought he wanted to serve his country, but when he took it apart, he realized he wanted a family and he wanted to belong to something bigger than himself. And, uh, I asked myself this question, what do I want? And I pretend, uh, so Jesus says to me, what do I want? And I say to him, I want truth. I want uh, an intimate relationship with you. I want something that doesn't change from one day to the next. I want something that's permanent and fixed and it's not circumstantial. I want something that nobody can take away from me. I want a better world for my children. I want something to serve, something to give my heart to, something to give my life to. And so all of that for me, and I'm going to use this word easy, all of that for me is easy because I'm a Marine, and I've been a Marine since I was 17, and that's how I'm built. 
I like belonging. And I think most people do. I think people have said we're hardwired to belong. We're hardwired to belong. But you also said it's an individual answer. Very much so. So you have to take it upon yourself. I, I think of all the devotionals that we've talked about, this is the biggest question and the most important thing that people can take away from this time is asking themselves, what do they want? Right. And, you know, sometimes we, uh, a question like this could be a Pandora's box and it could very well get messy before it gets, uh, clean, before it gets deeper, before you have more understanding. But, uh, it's not for me to say, it's not for me to tell you, but I posed this in the last week of our devotionals because as we think through it together, even though it's changing and, and the answer is growing as we are growing and deepening in our faith, I do think it will help us to identify what really matters to us, what we're willing to pursue, which hills we're willing to die on, so to speak, to use a military metaphor. You can't die on every hill. So what really matters to you? To what are you going to commit your resources? To what are you going to commit your family? What conversations are you willing to have? Not what everybody else is saying. What you, I keep hearing the you. You. Individually. It's totally personal with you. So as you go through the last four days of the devotional, and uh, friends, there's still time if you don't have a book yet. Uh, we're going to uh, continue running things through the end of this month. Please, uh, you can go back, you can get podcasts, you can uh, do the whole thing again uh, by yourself with a book. We're just uh, so happy to share that. Just uh, email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com and we'll make sure you get a book or go to Kindle on Amazon and uh, get one. The price is still 99 cents. Uh, we just want to do this with you. And and they we, can go to KKHT.com and the podcast tab and listen absolutely. to all the podcasts. Good call. Thank you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you how your face should be. That would be like me saying I should tell you what your relationship with your father should be or your children. It's personal. And not only is it personal, but every child in a family has a different relationship with the very same parents. You know, the That's oldest true. has a different That's relationship. True. <laughs> yeah. So m- my relationship with my dad was different than my middle brother and my oldest brother and my little sister. And, um, and that's the beauty of it because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are his works and our souls know it. So if God made us to have a relationship with us, he built into us the reciprocal need to have a relationship with him. And if we're on the surface of that relationship, and if we accept church answers, and if we accept church vocabulary, which says uh, we kind of throw the same words around, like corporate speak. You know, uh, when I first sat in on a corporate meeting, it was peel back the onion and pull the thread and all these things that people say without thinking. And we cannot be glib. This is our relationship with God. And so... There are no cliches allowed in this question. There are just heartfelt answers to have. Jesus said in chapter 14, verse 6 of the book of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we want peace, joy, and purpose in our lives on earth, then the answer is Jesus. If we want eternal life and peace beyond this world, then the answer is Jesus. If we want a better world for our children and grandchildren, 
The answer is Jesus. Whatever our heart's most righteous desires, the answer is Jesus. He is the answer to our questions. But what is your answer to his question? That's what we're talking about here. It's important to answer his question as you seek your deepest possible relationship with him. And your answers will help you to identify your most authentic contribution in his kingdom. So again, John chapter 1, verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this. They followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? We each want Jesus for unique reasons, and sometimes we're scared and unsure how to walk that out in this complex world. I understand completely, and I hope the final days of our devotional series will help with that. So friends, uh, as we wrap up, what could be more perfect than to quote Jesus in our quote of the day? He said in John chapter 10, verses 28 through 30, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The world wants us to be fearful. The media and the Internet have taken fear-mongering to the highest levels. We're like the apostles awash in their small boat in the storm, except for our storm is orchestrated by the devil. In asking this question and deepening your faith and your intimate relationship with Jesus and identifying the unseen forces that compel you and finding your heart's deepest commitment... I would ask you to consider that question. So we can't forget that Jesus rebuked the storm and it calmed. And it's in our relationship with him that he can rebuke the storm and calm it. Thanks for joining Christy and me today. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and semper fi. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission in this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. Here's this week's So What Are We Reading? We believe that a part of what helps us in our walk as courageous Christians is reading. And so we're taking a moment during each show to share what we are reading and how it's helping us in the hope that it will help you. First and foremost, we are always reading the Bible, and we truly encourage you to always start there. And next, we hope you'll be reading with us Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. And yes, it's by the host of Courageous Christianity, Richard Mindelow. And now you can get your complimentary copy. Thank you to KKHT for featuring Richard's book on KKHT.com with a book giveaway. Want to read along with us? 
Get your complimentary book by going to kkht.com. Look for and click the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image on the homepage. Enter some easy info and KKHT will take care of the rest. The book is a 40-day devotional for those who seek to become Christian warriors. It's about heart, faith, courage, and truth. Richard brings his experience as a colonel in the Marines and as a Jew who believes in Christ to the readings. You'll hear Richard's courageous love of Jesus in every word. At the end of the 40 days, with God's help, you will have experienced a transformation. You will have learned how to speak about your faith more, how to pray more, and how with God's help to stand your ground more firmly, all while leading people to a decision about their eternal souls. You will be a Christian warrior and a guardian of the faith. So make sure to get your complimentary copy by going to kkht.com. Look for and click the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image on the homepage. Enter your info and KKHT will get you your copy. We want to hear your thoughts about the devotional, so please let us know at our Facebook or Instagram pages by searching Courageous Christianity. And to learn more about our ministry efforts, go to CourageousChristianity.today. And as always, if you want to reach us, you can email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Our beloved A.W. Tozer says, the things you read will fashion you, slowly conditioning your mind. We pray that in this next week, you will be reading the things that will condition your mind as a courageous Christian warrior. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Hi, folks. It's Richard again. We're so happy to be bringing you this special series of shows during the next couple of weeks that track with my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. As I mentioned earlier in the show, these episodes originally aired during 2020 as separate half-hour shows, and now we're bringing them to you again in our new one-hour format. Please make note that some of the previous book offer details don't apply right now, but there's something even better. Right now, by going to kkht.com and clicking on the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image and registering your information, you'll get a complimentary copy of my book so that you can study through the devotional along with the shows. Remember that these shows originally aired in 2020, so some of the days and dates aren't current, but you'll get the gist. If you have any questions, email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com, and my trusty wingman, Christy Stratton, will help you out. Thanks for staying with us today, and make sure to join us during the next few weeks as we continue to guide you through my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. We're glad you're listening. It's a real pleasure to be with you this morning, regardless of the circumstances in which we find ourselves. We are not determined by our circumstances. Instead, we have joy in Jesus, which lets us look at things differently from the world. And this show is about looking at things differently. I hope you'll agree we've had an interesting journey in uh, my book over the last 
six, seven weeks, and that you feel more encouraged, more aware, and more prepared for your mission as a courageous Christian. As always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my extraordinary wingman. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Christy. Uh, If you've been following along over the last six weeks, thank you. And if you're just joining us, you can still participate. You can order a free book at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com or at Amazon for 99 cents. You can get a book which you can read on any Kindle device or an app on your phone that you download uh, the Kindle app. Uh, And then you can go to KKHT.com under the Programs tab uh, and then Podcasts and listen to the episodes that you've missed. We have an exciting show for you today as we wrap this up, but before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have together in Christ to serve you. Thank you for finding us wherever we may have been and for calling each of us to you through the truth of your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, O Lord, to fulfill the promise you have so carefully nurtured in each of us. Gracious Father, in Jesus' name we ask that you relieve us of the spiritual and emotional burdens that we may carry, that you shield us from evil influence, that you fill our hearts with compassion and love, and that you strengthen us in our dedication to your will. In all our different personalities, circumstances, talents, and experiences, help us to do our part on the spiritual battlefield of this world in whatever manner that may be. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I've seen on Facebook uh, lots of comments that people have made. Uh, We've received comments by email. And I think everybody has a different impression of things. And as your understanding deepens you, again, take different things away. Yeah, you definitely do. And we're talking about the devotional series that we've been watching, kind of some of the comments and hearing some comments. And um, this is my second time through the book and more awareness. You know, one of the things that I'm drawn to or or think about often is I never thought about Jesus as a warrior and us being on a battlefield for him. So that's a really new awareness. And reading, going through the devotional a second time has really brought me um, a better understanding of that. Yeah, uh, it's a paradigm shift. We talk a lot uh, in the Marine Corps work that I'm doing about mental models, the way we see the world. We have these various pictures uh, as individuals, as cultures, um, as a service in the Marine Corps that form the way we look at things. And in looking at Jesus as a warrior, it is certainly a paradigm shift, a shift in mental model. And as you grow in that new mental model, you see the same things differently and then differently again. And I think it's kind of amazing. It is amazing. You know, it's what you're reminding me of is back when 20 years ago, when um, I got the amazing gift of faith from God was even even the awarenesses that came at that time, I would hear song lyrics, which I love, and I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. That came from the Bible. And I didn't know that before. And I know that may sound very simple, but it even brought new awareness there. But now I see things in such a different way with regards to Jesus, the warrior on a battlefield. And ironically, or maybe not, 
I hear more lyrics now today about the battlefield and I'm drawn to those songs about courageous Christianity and the battlefield and the warrior of Jesus Christ. And it's it's a really amazing new awareness. Uh, yeah, that's especially true of country songs. <laughs> you can hear the same country song a long time and then you'll suddenly hear something different and you'll realize, oh, he wasn't talking about his pickup truck. It was his dog he was talking about. <laughs> exactly. But I do love country music. Uh, we're talking about the mental model with which we see uh, the universe and the world. And if you're listening to the show, you're looking for something. You're looking to deepen your faith. You're looking for a deeper understanding. Maybe you're new to faith and you just want to hear something. Uh, I was in my 40s when God spoke to me one day. I suddenly asked the question, if I died tomorrow, what would my children think was important to me? And based on the way I'd spent my 30s, I thought that they would think that money was important to me and money wasn't important to me. So I started asking what is important to me. And what was really important to me was to serve something bigger than myself. And so for me, that involved going back into the Marine Corps reserves. And a couple months later, I found myself in Iraq. So hopefully you won't find yourself in Iraq, but hopefully you will find yourself looking at things with a different perspective. And so in that perspective, we're talking about war, um, the context of the Bible as war. Right. And... Uh, I've said Genesis chapter 3, verse 2, when the serpent first comes to Eve and starts telling his lies, to Revelation chapter 22, the entire Bible is about war, but it's about a unique kind of war. It's called irregular war. And irregular war seeks influence over a uh, specific population of people, influence and legitimacy. And so the devil is contending with God, seeking influence over God's people. And he and God are in a struggle, and the devil wants us to be enslaved, and God wants us to be free. And so that is the context of everything we read in the Bible. And so Jesus was the ultimate warrior, and he came to speak truth. And he, we know we will have to stand firm, because all you need to do is look around and see how things are so messed up. So... Insurgency or rebellion is a type of irregular warfare that seeks to overthrow the established regime. And that begs the question, what is the established regime? And the established regime is God's kingdom. He created the universe. He set in place uh, the order of things. And that order is that man has free will, that God has said what is good and what is bad, that man can choose good or bad, and that those who honor God by choosing good in the name of Jesus will be blessed with abundant eternal life. We understand that those who choose bad will have bad. It says several times in the Bible that God will give us the desires of our hearts. So we're talking about what are the desires of our hearts. And the desires of the devil's heart is to overthrow God, and he wants to put us to a choice. So in deciding where our hearts are, he wants our hearts to be with uh, this world and the things of this world. It's interesting to me that you see in all of this such opposites. It's a dead giveaway for what's going on that if God says one thing, the devil says something else. Does that strike you as weird? It it does. It's a new awareness. I'll be honest. I'm still trying to get it just like I'm still trying to get the uh, the f clear understanding. And we've talked about this off air even is the understanding of 
insurgency and and counterinsurgency and getting that all straight. Right. I, I kind of liken it to my past world in real estate. I never know what mortgagee or mortgagor is, and I have to write right. it down. I have to think about you come from a war, pers- you know, you have the, the war education, the experience, and it makes a lot of sense. But I'm guessing if it doesn't make sense to me completely, even though the battle kind of makes sense on a top level, I'm wondering if you can help us understand okay. that insurgency and counterinsurgency a little more. Yeah. If the devil hadn't rebelled against God, we would all be living in the Garden of Eden. Everything would be perfect. Everything would be wonderful. And the serpent came to Eve, and, and, she, and he said, did God really say not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And that was the first obfuscation. Somebody, yeah, somebody yeah. <laughs> said that on Facebook, that they were like, like they used the word obfuscation. I'm like, that just confuses me when you say obfuscation it. Obfuscation <laughs> is an intentional muddying of the issues, an intentional deception. So it's like political correctness. It's this veil that we pull down in front of the issues so that we don't really look clearly at things because the insurgency doesn't want us to solve problems because problems are what keep us enslaved. Mm. But when we peel back that veil, when, when we uh, let the smoke clear, mm-hmm. uh, for me, by reading the Bible, right. then we can look at things with clarity and say, wait, wait, wait a second, no. You, you can't protect the egg of a bald eagle but in New York, you can terminate a baby's life up until mm. delivery. Yeah. That makes no sense. So the devil rebelled. He said, this is not what God really said, meant, whatever. He didn't just come out and say God's a liar. What he did were these little bites at the truth. And that's what we see happening today. So the devil rebelled. That rebellion is called insurgency. Uh, counterinsurgency, a good way to remember it, is counter anything is a response. You don't start with counterinsurgency. You have insurgency or rebellion, and then you respond to that insurgency or rebellion with a counterinsurgency. Okay, that makes more sense. So, okay, thanks. So as Christians, our uh, job is to assert God's kingdom. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes makes sense, and especially when you kind of put it in the words that are a little bit more, that I know a little bit more, rebel. And so you're rebelling, but then we're responding to that. Exactly. So how do we separate the truth from the lies? Because when things don't make sense, here's a newsflash. They probably don't make sense. I say this all the time. A confused mind says no. Well, that's a... I'm confused. (laughs) God says, I want you to have abundant life and freedom. The devil says, I want you to have fear and servitude. God says love, the devil says hate. God says righteousness, the devil says perversity. God says a spirit, submit it to him. The devil says your flesh, I own your flesh. God says heaven above, the devil says hell below. It's all of these opposites which, mm. which put our hearts and our souls to these very painful uh, decisions. So the devil wants to put us to a decision and he does this in various ways for example shame mm. you know there's good shame and there's bad shame there's the shame I where, just learned that that there's good sh- good right. shame and bad there's shame. the shame when you do something wrong you know you've done something wrong you acknowledge that you do something wrong and you feel humiliated about it mm-hmm. and it's in that humiliation that you then seek to do right you right. repent and then there's the shame that is the devil just telling you you're a bad person Mm. So the devil says, you are bad. Jesus says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through 
Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. And so many people live in shame. So many Myself people live included. in shame. Here's another one. I've run into a bunch of people this week, and we've talked about fear and anxiety. Yeah. Lots the of that right now. The devil uses fear. Because mm-hmm. if you're scared, then you appeal to things that are immediately available to you, your government, uh, Facebook, people who are saying things. And what's distant and what's not visible to you, the kingdom of God, right. is, is a little harder. So the devil says, be scared. And then God says, but the spirit of God, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So for everything the devil tries to use against us, in Scripture, in the Bible, God has given us our shield. The devil says it's about flesh. Jesus says we are citizens of heaven. The devil says it's about money. Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. The devil says it's about division and disharmony. Jesus says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one glorious hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So the big picture is this effort by the devil to tell us that we're bad. The devil makes us weak. Yeah. God makes us powerful. Yeah, because we're Christian warriors and our opportunity is in the hope of Christ. And it's in that hope and the truth of the Bible that we can go out and do great things. Right. It's all just little. It's, it's, I said in the beginning, it's not about circumstances. Circumstances are like ingredients in a recipe. Right. You can have weird tasting ingredients and still make an awesome recipe. For example, horseradish. What's up with horseradish? But if you mix it with mayonnaise and put it on some prime rib, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Well, think about a birthday cake. I mean, right. sugar's good, but you know, sugar, well, no, butter, eggs. Everything in a birthday cake is good. <laughs> That's a terrible example. Eating them separately, eggs not okay. cooked. <laughs> I forgot about the eggs. So, the circumstances of our lives are the ingredients. How we mix those ingredients in the bowl comes from our faith in Jesus. And he bends all things toward his will, and he makes all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So this is where we derive our strength. And we've looked at this over the last five or six weeks with daily examples and how to speak out and how to stand firm in faith. And it's just worth a reminder at this point, please, if you hear this, uh, as I reiterated last week, when I say it's our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the question was posed, well, what do you mean flesh? I thought the flesh is like when you're doing bad things. When I say, or rather, excuse me, when Scripture says our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities and the rulers of this dark world, Secular, the humans. What, what that's saying is it's not about people. Right. Don't go be ugly to people. Um, this person who is lost, they're living in darkness. They're right. in pain. They're struggling. It's not about being mean to them. They just didn't know what to do, so they bought the lies. And now they're like me right. in my early 40s, where all I knew is, hey, work hard, try to get a bigger house, try to have newer cars, and... That's providing for your family. And then one day, through the grace of God, he spoke to me and said, no, it's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's about serving something bigger than yourself. Right. And it's about living by a truth that's eternal. And so the scripture that I woke up thinking about this morning says that all scripture is God-breathed and is suitable for 
uh, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible says thoroughly equipped. That means it's all in the word of God. I love that scripture. It gives thoroughly me... Thoroughly equipped. Yeah. Not a little bit equipped, not partly equipped, but you can go into battle with nothing but, but the Bible and the truth of God and your faith. It makes me feel safe. Absolutely. The shield of faith. Right. We make a choice. We make a choice to believe. That belief is informed by reading the Bible and finding out what God wants for us. And then we act on that in love and compassion because it it would be like a high school kid treating a first grader badly because a first grader doesn't know trigonometry. Right, yeah. And that's so sad and that's so cruel. The first grader uh, will learn that in time if we show a good example. And this brings me to an awesome story. I hope I have time to tell it. But it's the real essence of things. So Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 40, I think, is the story. And um, Paul and Silas have been wrongly arrested and thrown in prison. There was a slave girl who was, uh, oh, what's it called when you tell the future? Oh, um I can't foretelling, prophesying or whatever. And she yes. was making a lot of money for her owners and she was following Paul and Silas around and really annoying him. So Paul said to her, said to the spirit that was in her, get out of her. And then her owners got mad at Paul and Silas. So they made up a lie and say that said that they were stirring up the pot. And then without a good trial, they were beaten and thrown in prison. And while they were in prison, uh, secured a uh, hand and feet by their jailer, There was an earthquake and the doors were open and their chains were let go and the jailer awoke and he was going to kill himself because he thought he'd failed in his mission to secure them. And Paul yelled, no, don't. We're still here. We haven't left. And the jailer was so overcome by their righteousness that though they could have left, they didn't, that he said to them, "Um, how do I believe? And they said, you just believe in Jesus. And that's the Reader's Digest version. The the point is that by our example, we yeah. put people to a decision and uh, not that we tell them what to decide. We give them the opportunity to make this decision and then everything they do follows from that opportunity. So again, Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40, if you can read that, it tells a beautiful story and I don't know that I did it justice. I think you did. It's uh, I mean, I got you. We're shining the light. Of Jesus. We're shining the light of Jesus. So uh, anytime I refer to the Bible, it's the truth. And speaking of the truth, that is our moment of truth. And it's a repeat from a previous show just because I think it's the essence of everything. As the Israelites inhabited the promised land, Joshua posed the following in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, when he said, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Friends, we face the same decision today. With the promised land of an eternity with Jesus before us, each of us must choose whom we will serve. Will we serve what our parents and grandparents served just because it was handed down to us? Will we serve the interests of the media, their manipulators, corporations, politicians, and the gods they have created in a lost world? Will we allow the dupes of the devil to shape us with shame and fear and materialism and the flesh and divisiveness? Or will we choose Jesus and his courageous and compassionate love? Each day we make this choice. 
Each day we choose and we act on that choice in the way we spend our time, our energy, and our money, and in the way we give voice to our faith. And this is where our courageous Christianity comes in, because we have to give voice to our faith. Either we will put the world to a decision, or the world will put us to a decision. So I pray in all of our choices and actions at every decision point throughout the day, we will each ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. Our Lord as we submit to him and what he says is right and wrong, not what we invent. And our Savior in the repentance and gratitude of our hearts. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that brings us to the quote of the day. And this is a big one. Our quote of the day comes from General Dwight David Eisenhower on the uh, eve of the invasion of Normandy on the eve of D-Day in 1944. He said to all who were about to attack, attack Germany, you are about to embark upon the great crusade to which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere war- march with you. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. He closed by saying, Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Like those brave men, if we're to be effective on the spiritual battlefield, we must be equally determined and realistic in our understanding of the devil's schemes. Good battlefield intelligence is critical to success, and that's why we have to look at things in a different way. We must see everything as it is. We can't be like children wandering around in the middle of a dangerous situation with no frame of reference. The stakes are too high. We must understand the context of our actions. And so, as we've said, that context is irregular warfare, insurgency. As Christians, we are counterinsurgents. If insurgency is about lies, then as Christians, we are about speaking the truth, not our truth, but God's truth. So we don't live with fear and anxiety because we now understand the devil and the battlefield. Jesus has said, not one of these will be snatched from my hand. By our choices, we decide if we are one of these or one of those. So let's strive together in truth to be one of these who in love, gratitude, and devotion seek to do the will of our God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we know that his will is that we act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with him in his truth among those who do not know him. This is a spiritual battlefield, and if we reflect him, others may come to know him. And that's Courageous Christianity. I'm Richard Mendelo, and you've been listening to Courageous Christianity. God bless and semper fi. Fly